0: Welcome to the HopeCast. Here, we have conversations on finding life. Hey, everybody. This is David Dwight. Welcome to the HopeCast. We're in the studio at Hope Church in Richmond, Virginia, And we have a guest with us today, and we're really pleased that she's here. So Suzanne Coburn is with us, and Nicole Eunice is here with us as well.
1: Say hi, Suzanne. Hi. (laughs) That's
0: (laughs) her voice now. You know it. (laughs) So Suzanne is a professional counselor, and she has recently had a deep and uh, moving time because she's returned from Las Vegas, where she has provided counsel and support to people who were very close to the shootings that have recently happened in Las Vegas. And we thought it would be meaningful for people to have a chance to hear from somebody who's very much a part of the life of hope and know the kinds of stories that our people experience and the kinds of difference that they make in helping people in a variety of ways. So um, welcome. We're glad you're here. How about start by telling when we say that you have training and background and providing care and counsel for crisis or trauma experiences. Can you tell people what that means?
2: Yeah, so I worked for uh, almost 15 years in crisis here in Henrico County, and I worked with people who actually literally were in crisis of significant um, amount and helped them specifically, which then helps me also. I was also trained in counseling for first responders and a number of different folks like that. So... There's the individual as well as the group, as well as the people that are secondarily affected. Um, yeah.
0: So you've done a lot of counsel as well with people who have been in law enforcement or firefighters who have experienced these very personal traumatic experiences, right?
2: Yes, definitely.
0: Okay, so there's got to be a whole backstory. How do you, as a counselor, take care of yourself when you are working so hard to care for people who go through all of this? Maybe we can talk about that in a few minutes. But tell us a little bit, if you will, about how did the experience about going to Las Vegas come about? And then we'd like to hear more about what you experienced when you were out there.
2: Okay. Well, I work for um, one of the jobs that I do. I'm an individual counselor here in town, but I also work for a company that gets called by corporations, large corporations, to actually go to a site where there's been a trauma so I've done crisis counseling here and for different things and I really wanted to be called to go to Las Vegas because I really feel like I what I bring to the table with my experience but just who I am I've kind of found that to be true for everybody and help people in a different way and so they did call me and they said can you seven o'clock on a Tuesday Mm -hmm. night they said can you be here at eight tomorrow morning. And I said, I'm in Virginia (laughs) Mm -hmm. anyway. So I went and, and I dealt with people in a large corporation. I dealt with people, uh, the doctors, nurses who were at sunrise hospital, Mm -hmm. which is a hospital that was really close. And 250 people came in at one hour Mm -hmm. to that ER. And then with paramedics who were on the scene and first responders.
0: So I'm guessing everybody knows in general, about this tragedy but just help people know a little bit for instance uh this is the largest shooting in american history outside of wartime experiences and battlefields and so Mm -hmm. on just for people help them have a little bit of understanding what was the setting Mm -hmm. uh this was a big large concert gathering but help people have a little bit of understanding of the setting and um how things unfolded, and what's the scenario that you walked into?
2: Okay, so it was a uh, three-day concert. A lot of bands, everybody was excited. 22,000 people Mm -hmm. were at this concert that was in Las Vegas. And there was uh, this one guy who um, didn't have any background in in any problematic stuff that is known. And he checked into a hotel and ended up with um, Arsenal and just started shooting um, people, in, and there were three rounds of shots, and people literally you have 22,000 people who mm-hmm. are just scattering hysterically.
0: Three rounds of shots, three periods of time when he was shooting.
1: Yes, but thank you. A, a yeah. gun
0: personal. will that was three <laughs> shots were fired. Know. Three periods of time when right. he was firing.
2: Right, and so there are thousands of people that are reacting to that, and one of the things right away is this stories the amazing stories of courage that these selflessly people would literally throw their bodies over someone else which you think oh well that was their wife no they could be strangers mm-hmm. they would just throw their bodies over and some of them did that and were killed mm-hmm. like they just immediately did these things they stopped to push somebody in a wheelchair out of the way even though that put their own life in danger mm-hmm. like th- so those were some of, part of the amazing stories so i one of the big things I did is to go and talk with the doctors and nurses and anybody who worked in that hospital who because everybody came running. Everybody was all hands on deck when those, you know, 250 people came to the ER
1: at one time. Suzanne, what have you learned about kind of twofold question. What what in general have you learned about people through this kind of work? And then what have you learned about people that need to process through something like this, whether it's Mm -hmm. in their personal life or on a much broader scale like this.
2: I guess one of the first thoughts I have is, is that we all have trauma in our lives and it's all different. And somebody doesn't have to go through a major shooting like this to have their own trauma and need to process their stuff because whatever you're dealing with in your life, that's what you're dealing with. Like that's what you've got. And it's really hard for you personally. And so That's the first thing is for people not to shy away thinking, oh, well, of course they need help. But everybody has a story. And that was something that struck me there is that everybody has a story. And for people to be present, for me to go and be present and listen to that story, that's part of the healing. And people can do that here. I mean, people can listen to somebody's story because everybody has a hardship.
0: So you were one of a number of professionals who made their way to Las Vegas. I imagine some were in from Las Vegas, but others came from other parts of the country as well.
2: Yeah, they flew a number of people. Some people drove, some people flew. Um, one of my colleagues, when I worked in crisis, she and I flew together, which was awesome because talking about taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. we would sort of do some crisis debriefing along the way with each other because right. um, we've done that for three years working together in crisis.
0: So you were speaking with um, medical personnel, uh, emergency personnel. Mm -hmm. Were you speaking with survivors or people who were nearby? Help people know a little bit about that.
2: Well, so interestingly, Las Vegas is actually a much smaller town for people Mm. who live there than you think flying in and out. Um, And so everybody, it was, you know, at the most one degree removed. Like everybody knew somebody half the people were there. I mean, we're actually there so people who knew somebody that died, were shot, whatever. So even though you're talking to somebody who was like a nurse or doctor, they could very well have been at the, at the event, mm-hmm. you know, or could have someone that died. So,
0: or a family member or a close friend.
2: Right. So it was always, you had to always be really sensitive about, you know, what people were going through and really listen before, you know, being able to help them start, uh, Knowing that it was okay, however, they felt, and to start the healing process
1: just in a tiny bit because at that point it's really hard to see that. Is that your general approach? You just kind of said it, but mm-hmm. start the healing part. You know, what yeah. do you do when you are right. in front of someone that you don't know who obviously has been through a really difficult time? What's your where do you start with that?
2: Well, the first thing is,
1: I just People actually, when they've been through a trauma like that,
2: like I was in a corporation where I had—I was five. I was there for five hours. Nine people were lined up in the hall to talk to me. Mm. I talked to nine people, and they wanted to come in, and they immediately wanted to share the story because they were so traumatized and so hurt. So it's just being present, and it's just listening, and then helping them know, okay, whatever you're feeling, it's really normal, and it's really okay. Um, and then just a little bit, see if there's whatever hope would be for them see if i can help them find that just a little bit as a next step because at that point it's hard to see hope but it's good to bring it in the door
0: so you're listening to people share their story Mm -hmm. but you're listening with a particular angle on listening for little elements of hope that you might be able to identify Mm -hmm. and help them interact with
2: yes Yes,
0: absolutely. So this is like intensive listening, right? Yeah. It's intensive listening.
2: You're paying attention very intensely. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, a lot of people may or may not know, but counselors, people who are in maybe ministry, will often say, you can be silent, not saying a word mm-hmm. for 30 minutes, and it's some of the most exhausting work you do. Yes. Because your mind is working so hard, and you're emotionally engaged, and mm-hmm. you're trying to bring to bear all of your abilities to care about a person. But you may be sitting there, and if someone was looking through a window into <laughs> the office, then yeah. it wouldn't look like it's that exhausting. Right. What, what makes it so exhausting?
2: I think one of the things that we do, whether it's trauma or not, is that we listen for themes, We listen for themes of what's going on in the person's life and what are they really talking about? What's the what are they talking about behind what they're actually saying? And that's part of what's um, intense because they are not necessarily even knowing what that theme is and to be able to help them sort of bring it out of them because, I mean, they've got it in there. It's just a matter of helping them
0: see it. This may be a hard question to answer, but you're with somebody for a short time. I mean, Mm -hmm. you were out there for a relatively short time. People who spoke with you are going to live the rest of their lives with their memories, the visual pictures, the sounds, the Mm -hmm. smells, and everything that comes with it. Are there any types of things that you try to give them, knowing that you're going to be parting ways, and they're Mm -hmm. going back to their life, and you're going back to yours, Are there any types of things that you say or try to give them to try to help them with what do I do with all of what's inside of me as I go out into my life again?
2: Yeah, there's... I mean, one of it really is being present for people, Mm -hmm. like just the person feeling heard and telling their story. People can't tell their stories enough, honestly, Mm -hmm. when there's been a trauma. So there's that piece. And then letting them know they're totally normal. Whatever they're experiencing it's totally normal because we all do things different ways and then how to cope, you know, if you're eating more or less and, and then when to start worrying if, you know, maybe this is going on for a while Mm -hmm. and I really need to go to some professional counseling. So it is sort of that movement from how are you doing now to move to, you know, how are you feeling? How, what do you do with that? And then, you know, moving
0: forward. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of validation that's happening as you're listening It's a human being speaking of something very deep, knowing that another human being is listening with insight, compassion, understanding. Mm -hmm. All of that is very validating.
1: Yeah.
0: What is the kind of things, what are the kinds of things, if you could say it, that people may experience over a period of time after something like this? For instance... Uh, flashbacks, mm-hmm. nightmares. Say a little bit about mm-hmm. your right. experience and what are the kinds of things that people may experience.
2: Well, it, it is interesting because people experience different things, but generally, like people will either eat more or less than mm-hmm. they used to. They sometimes people can't don't even feel like they can get food down their throat because it's just their body is so keyed up. Mm-hmm. So they might sleep more or less than before. They might have nightmares. Um, I mean, there are a number of different things, but then the things to be able to help with that are, you know, get exercise. Don't start a brand-new exercise mm. program, but just get some exercise, eat healthy. How to how to help people take care of themselves. Mm.
1: What are, um, Susanna, I'm just really, you have this whole, all this knowledge about people because mm-hmm. of the year. So obviously I think that people want to hear from you that I'm going to be okay because they yeah. know that you've heard a lot, you've gone to those deeper places. But how has it impacted the way that you live your life? You know, not everyone, very few of us live in the places with other people that you do. So what does that, what does that mean for you and mm-hmm. specifically in the, your relationship with God? How has that been shaped?
2: Right. Well, one of the ways I think that me hearing so many crises mm. is that I, I've i held on to for years. Um, I've always liked Mr. Rogers, for those of you who are younger. <laughs> he, he was... Um, a well-known and beloved um (laughs) are
1: you laughing because you have to explain who he is yeah i'm like oh my gosh (laughs) i
2: know know who who he is is. you can
0: explain to nicole in this room room. um
2: but he um he said that his mom when he was saw scary things in the newspaper his mom would say look for the helpers
1: Mm.
2: there will always be people helping and I have taken that along because that's, that's part of that hope. Mm-hmm. Like in any situation, I mean, you hear these crises, these horrible stories, but you also see these moments where mm-hmm. people are just giving of themselves. I mean, there was a woman who came into the ER. She literally was shot in the abdomen, literally holding a rag to her abdomen. And she saw these other people coming in. And she said, no, 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 please take those people. They're hurt much worse. I'm thinking, you're shot. I, I think I would say, hey, put me on the table. I need some help. Yeah. But that's like those kind of stories. And you think, wow, the human spirit. And so those are the things that I have to hold on to mm. um, to be able to keep doing it and mm-hmm. keep moving forward to know that there is so much good. And people who have been through trauma can come out. And it's sort of that beauty for ashes. Mm. I mean, I really hold on to that because it, it was an ash heap. I mean, it was horrific. But. There's so much good that can come mm-hmm. out and God can really use that. I mean, his Holy Spirit moving amongst these people and in different ways help bring people to Christ through mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm.
0: C.S. Lewis said that the worst of times can reveal the best in humanity. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what do you think about it? I mean, does that sort of resonate?
2: It really does. I mean, one of the yeah and people in all different degrees of knowledge there was a woman there who she works just um registering people and she's been through a number of other traumas but she said i wish i could have done more i wish i could have done more mm. and i said well what did you do and she said i just held the hands of people and i would rub their hand and i would just say it's going to be all right mm. i said that was <laughs> a huge gift like you helped them feel loved and cared for you, not the medical side, mm. but they knew you were there. So that, that's the kind of thing that's like, oh, my gosh, we can all
1: do our part to mm. help. You, you touched on that, and then maybe we'll wrap up in just a moment with this. But um, I wondered about that, about mm-hmm. people coming to you and saying, you know, that general theme of mm-hmm. I could have done something more or I could have been yeah. in a different place oh, or both the direction of it could have been worse for me, but also I could have made it better for someone else. How do you help people with that general theme, which I think is also true in life, Mm -hmm. um, in various levels of trauma? Like you said, everyone experiences some kind of trauma.
2: Well, and it was amazing because all of the nurses, doctors, paramedics who had gone gone into the gunfight literally said that. People Mm -hmm. were saying we're heroes, and they're literally, everyone said, I didn't know enough. I could have done more. What should I have done? I really could. And so in the moment, it's really hard for people to hear that. It mm-hmm. takes it takes some time for people to step mm-hmm. back a little bit so they can actually hear that once they're sort of through the shock and all those pieces. And then to just gently help them understand what they
1: honestly did do. So it's not that – I'm hearing you say it's not that helpful – early on when emotions are high it's, it's not, not helpful really. to say to people no no you did plenty you yeah. know it's more letting them process yes what perfectly. they're trying to say about their own experience right because that's how they feel mm-hmm. and when we just say no no no, you did a lot okay well you just shut them down right, right. like they're not going to talk to anyone you don't need right. to
0: feel that way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i do feel that way
1: and they're like wow this is not helpful counseling at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: well it strikes me as you're speaking about that that The kinds of things those people are saying, given the probably the almost the ferocious nature of the experience mm-hmm. the the upheaval the the complete sort of crazy unglued what is happening kind of experience, mm-hmm. probably the closest to that is a lot of people who have had combat experience yeah. in in armed service,
2: they called it that.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure it would be very much like that. Mm -hmm. And people saying, you know, having run in to try to help and then later Mm -hmm. saying I could have or should have done more. Those are the kinds of stories you hear from people who have been in military combat. Yeah. It's profound. Well, so we want to say thanks. One of the things that we often do when we're here, uh, say, in a staff meeting or a staff gathering Mm we have our normal staff gatherings on Wednesday mornings and we pray for the church. And really what that means to us on staff is we see the church as the people who are hope church mm-hmm. here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like where are they on a Wednesday? Mm-hmm. And they're in classrooms and school rooms and boardrooms and their police officers and their, their counselors. Mm-hmm. And the picture of the people that, make up what Hope Church is, being present in all these different places, bringing to the best of their ability God's character and his Mm -hmm. heart, like that's Jesus saying, you are the salt of the earth, Mm -hmm. you are the light of the world. So when we on staff are praying for the church, we're not praying for like some program or some institution. Mm -hmm. We're praying with a vision of people who are Hope Church all over the metro area and beyond as they're traveling or they're in Las Vegas or wherever they may be. So thank you for your heart and for the care and um, just for the difference that we know that you made out there and make in a lot of people's lives.
1: Thanks for what you shared too, just about the ways that I think all of us
0: can engage
1: mm -hmm. with people in a different way that there's so much of a gift in our presence. That's Mm -hmm. what I kind of took away from what you shared of the presence and then Hope, you know, yeah. really trying to listen for themes of hope that are already in the person's story that you can kind of bring out,
0: and that validating power of listening—that's mm-hmm. huge. huge.
2: And that everybody's story and trauma is their own, and it's it's major to each of us whatever mm-hmm. we are experiencing. So not to
1: minimize our own stuff, but yeah, that's yeah, the hope is that's real. So as we close, because we we don't want to miss the chance to say. A little bit of just give us your closing word on how you care for yourself as a person who cares for others.
2: (laughs) Well, therapists are hard at that. (laughs) We're not so good. But I have actually gotten to the point now where I'm ready to do some crisis debriefing with a colleague of mine Mm. from crisis because we used to do that with each other. So I've set up a time to do that because at first even counselors are like, no, 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 we're okay. We really don't need that, thanks. But yeah, I've decided that I really do. So Mm. part of that is... Um, And just taking care of myself, Mm -hmm. taking a nap, you know, doing those kinds of things.
0: It strikes me as like levels of shock absorption. So Suzanne spoke with people who were present in the intensity of the moment. Mm -hmm. She wasn't. But those people then speak with her and she provides some, let's call it shock absorption Mm -hmm. for them. But now she's got a lot. And then she's speaking with somebody who provides some shock absorption for Mm -hmm. her And it's a powerful picture of what it is for people to be able to care for one another in this kind of way. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: All right, well, thank you so much for being with us. And we're going to wrap up for today. HopeCast is a ministry of Hope Church in Richmond, Virginia. You can find us online at www.hopecentral.com.